Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. We are in the, the, the series that, that we've been preaching for the last, this will be the sixth week on unity. I, I think it's really interesting. I was talking to Pastor Dave Woodcock recently, and he goes, I said, what have you been preaching on? He goes, we're in a series in Ephesians, and it's just awesome. And I'm like, really? Did you, did you, were you watching us? Did you get that? He goes, they're actually a week, a week ahead of us, and they're not doing it in reference to unity, but it's, it's Ephesians. And um, he goes, I'm just getting into the unity part now uh, in chapter four. And I said, well, we've been in unity in chapter one. It's just interesting to me how God is speaking the same thing to his people all over. You know, and it's, it's just really cool. I... Um, I, I thought we were going to be done with this whole book, and we're not even through the first chapter yet in six weeks, and, but I, I, just, I just don't care. I think we need to get the depth and dig out the gold a little bit, and it takes a little more time to do that. But we've, uh, so far, you can throw up that outline, uh, just for those of you that like outlines, and this kind of keeps us organized, I think, in this series, so you know where we're at. But the first thing we talked about was the beginning of unity, and unity is oneness, right? It's, it's, it's agreement through, um, or it's oneness through agreement. It's not sameness. We talked about that. Uh, and, and then we talked about the first thing you have to do, the beginning of unity is being in Christ, right? Like we, we talked about how 36 times it says in Ephesians, um, it uses that phrase, in Christ. And what does that mean? And then also throughout the, throughout the whole book, it's like 167 times or something like that. In, Paul, in Paul's writings, it says um, in Christ, which it's a, it's a very... Uh, I mean, used term, used phrase, and uh, we, we just have to know what that means. And so then we got into, um, well, if, if we're in Christ, we're one with him, we're plugged into the true vine of Jesus Christ, there's, there's a unity that happens between us and Jesus. Our lives line up with who he is, his very character, his nature, and his word. And when we're unified with Christ, our vertical relationship with God is right, we're one with him, that's when, that's why we call it the beginning of unity, that's when your horizontal relationships with one another, with your wife, with your family, with your, with, with, with your church family, that, that is, it, that's when it starts. It starts with being unified with Christ first, you. You individually, lining up with who he is. And that's a tall order for anybody, right? That's not easy to obtain, but we work at it, and we work at it, and we work at it, and we try to keep ourselves in that zone of where we are one with Christ. How many, knows, how many know we get out of line with him once in a while? Not because of what he does or somehow he demands us to be perfect in everything we do. It's, it's that we just, we just, we get callous to the things of this world. We, we start watching things we shouldn't watch, saying things we shouldn't say, hanging around people we shouldn't probably hang around, and our, our faith weakens, and all of a sudden we wake up one morning and we're like, whoa. I'm not as close to God as I was before. And, and it happens so subtly. The devil's so good. And that's when we just come to Christ and say, you know what, I'm sorry, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. And he forgives us, and we're, we're right back where we need to be, right? So it's that constant thing. Um, that, that's, that's being in Christ. And there's some benefits that come with being in Christ. And this is what we've been on the last real five weeks 
We're adopted as sons and daughters. Aren't you happy that you're a child of God? You've been grafted into the vine and we've been redeemed, praise the Lord, redeemed of all that stuff, our past, our present, our future. I mean, come on, somebody get excited in here because that's an exciting thing. And, 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 and we've been forgiven. I mean, everything that you've done, you thought, you said, you, you, you've, it's gone when you're in him. He's forgiven you. You don't have to say, well, back 60 years ago, I did something really terrible. I haven't been able to forgive myself. and I doubt God can forgive me. You know what? If, if, if you don't believe that one blot, drop of Jesus' blood can forgive you, then, then you need to get back into the Bible and you need to get back on your knees in prayer and you need to realize that his blood has the power to forgive and save. And it is gone. You know, beating yourself up over the, the past is no way to live. Um, so we talked about being forgiven. Um, and then we, we talked last week about knowing his will. We know his will. One of the benefits of being unified with him and being one with him is just absolutely knowing his will, knowing what he wants from us. We know the end game, right? The big will, the, 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 pig, the big picture. We know what's gonna happen to the devil. He's gonna be destroyed. And we know what's gonna happen to us. We're gonna live forever, forever together. And those are the kinds of things that give us comfort, especially when we lose a loved one. I know you guys just, just had, a, had a, a, a celebration service of, of Cheryl's life. And, you know, but that, those kind of truths, that we're gonna live forever together with those that are a part of, of, of God's kingdom, those that are in him, that's exciting stuff. That's great. We, are, we know his will. And not only, not only the big picture, but the, the, the day-to-day stuff. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're called to do, right? We know what we're called to do. When we're in him, when we're unified with him, we just start acting like Jesus with skin on, right? And this week, we're going to get into something. Uh, it's kind of the last benefit I'm going to go over, but we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's a benefit to those that are in Christ, Ephesians 1, 11, 14 says this, in him, there's that phrase that we keep seeing, we have obtained an inheritance uh, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his, of his will so that we who were, who were the first to hope in Christ, there's that phrase again, might be to the praise of his glory. And we can be the praise of his glory. I, I, I think going through this stuff, it just causes you to meditate a little bit more on phrases, but to, to know that you can be the praise of his glory, he's so proud of you, he so loves you. Verse 13, in him, there it is again, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? The word seal here is so important. It's from the Greek word spragizo. Can you all say that? Spragizo. Spragizo. It's not Italian, but it sounds Italian, doesn't it? It's Greek. Turn to your neighbor and say spragizo. Try it again. That was pretty bad. Spragizo. Fragizo. It's a great word. I was like, what does that word seal mean? What does it mean? This is a benefit that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
What does it mean? I looked it up. It said it's, it's from the word. It's interpreted. You know, the Bible, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, so we look at those words, we look at the original meanings, and then we can see, oh, if we're missing anything with the translation. But sphrigizo is the same word used for the seal that the stone in front of Jesus' tomb was marked with. The Roman seal was also placed over the tomb. Matthew 27, 66 says, and they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal, Fragizo. they set a seal on the stone. The seal, get this church, was a sign of authentication that the tomb was in fact occupied by the, blood, the body of Jesus. And the power and the authority of Rome stood behind that seal of authentication. Furthermore, if anyone tried to unlawfully break into the tomb and break the Roman seal, they would suffer the punishment of the full authority of the Roman government. And that's something you didn't want to do because that involved the penalty of death. You didn't mess with that seal. And I think it's so important that God worked that out because there, there have been, there have been claims from all sorts of people throughout the, since Jesus rose from the dead that his body was stolen and that he really didn't uh, rise from the dead. He, he, it, it's not true, you know, that he wasn't, they never put him in the tomb to begin with and he went and they hid his body somewhere. All of it, that seal on the tomb, that's an important thing because those Roman soldiers who sealed it, they verified that that body was in there. They verified it and sealed it and nobody messed with the Roman government. So we know that, that, that the seal thing was important. One of the benefits of being in Christ is that he seals us with his Holy Spirit. It's a sign of authentication that this temple is in fact occupied by the Holy Spirit of Christ. And the power and authority of the Roman seal has got nothing on the power and authority represented by God's seal of the Holy Spirit. And if any enemy of our soul tries to come and break that seal, that enemy will be subject to the full power and authority of our king, who is Jesus Christ. We are sealed. That means uh, that when, when the enemy is attacking us, we should really understand the seal thing, and we should be like, you, you talking to me? Are, are you messing with me? Because I'm blood-bought, I'm adopted, I'm a child of the king. He has redeemed me. He's forgiven me. He's revealed his will to me. And I know what the end game is for me. And I know what it is for you. And just to prove it, that, that, that I am in him and these things are true for me. I've been sealed with his Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of me. So take your lies, take your nastiness, your, your temptations that you throw at me. Take them right on back to hell where you came from. That's the importance of being sealed. I mean, God must think you're pretty okay if he put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're pretty okay. <laughs> this word sfragizo means something, church. Fragizo, to seal, to put a mark on an object, to show possession, to show authority, to show identity or security. It's stamping with the seal to distinguish ownership, to impress with a mark of acceptance, to deliver over safely to someone, to make a solemn declaration. Fragizo. 
Why is being sealed so significant? And I'm gonna just go right off of that definition and apply it to our Christian life, our, our being in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you're sealed. That's, the benefit. That's one of the benefits. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But why is being sealed so significant? Because you are his possession, number one. You are his possession. Deuteronomy 14.2 says, For you are a holy people set apart to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you out of all the peoples who are on the earth to be a people for his own possession. Who has he, he chosen out of all the peoples of the world? You, because you are in Christ. Not because you somehow uh, won the lottery and God said, well, I pick you. No, it's because you have received him into your life and he's offered that to everybody. It's nothing you can do. It's not works. But you've said yes to him. He's offered it to everybody. He hasn't predestined some and not others. He hasn't set it up so that some go to heaven and some go to hell and we'll just, we'll just work it all out in the end. It's not how it is. Everybody has a chance. Everybody. But you're chosen because you're in Christ. It's those who are in Christ that are chosen out of all the peoples of the earth to be a people for his own possession. You are his own possession if you are in Christ. And I want you to see that when something is chosen as a possession, there is an acceptance attached to it. I know we talk a lot about accepting Christ and his gift on the cross, and yes, we must receive or accept what he has done for us as truth. We have to accept that. But understand, if we are his possession, then he has accepted you as his very own possession. He's like, oh, I accept them. Why, because you're, you're clean enough? Because you're good enough? Because you don't have any sin? No. Because we know Romans 5.8 says that Christ demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us before we cleaned ourselves up. He took all of us, all of our shame, all of our shortcomings, and he loved us anyway. He said, that's my possession. And though you are stained with the sin that you've committed, and though you may feel scarred and ashamed because of sins that others have committed against you, he looks beyond all of it and he accepts you as his own so much that he stamps you with the seal of his Holy Spirit which, you can, on, which can only be understood as a seal of approval. Not approval of your sin, I'm not saying that. Approval of you because you have been washed clean of all of those stains, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You're his possession. Two, you are under his authority and rule. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority and rule has been given to Jesus. And I wanna hit this quick, but we could talk about it a long time. Uh, this even gets into what uh, Dominic's been teaching on Wednesday nights, which it's interesting how these things overlap a little bit. But the seal of the Holy Spirit upon your life means that you are under his rule and authority. Some people don't like to be under any rules or anybody else's authority. I kind of like it. It's a safe place. I'm under his rule and I'm under his authority. I'm also under his protection because of that. I'm also under his provision because of that. It means that we willfully follow his statutes and decrees. I want to follow what Jesus says is right and wrong because I love him for what he's done for me. 
It means we live according to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. It also means that we can operate according to his authority. We can carry out our day-to-day lives using that authority to live victoriously. Um, I'm running through some of these scriptures quick, but Luke 9, 1. Now Jesus called together the 12 and gave them the right to exercise power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. That's pretty amazing. We are in the one who has all power and authority, and he's given us that authority to exercise power over all demons and to heal diseases. Luke 10, 19 says, listen carefully, I've given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. These are are the words of Jesus giving us authority. You follow those whom you choose to be subject to and when you are under his rule and authority, Jesus told us what we could expect. He said in John 16, seven through eight, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby person, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be close, in close fellowship with you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You can write these down and read them later. These are, these are truths of what, of what it means to be under his power and authority. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In a very confusing world, with all these things going on, with politics and, and goofy stuff, I mean, just goofy stuff, right? All over the place, isn't it wonderful to know that that this seal that he's placed on us, the seal of his Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth if we let him. God knew what we would need. The seal of the Holy Spirit is all these things to us. So yeah, we are under his authority and rule. You are his possession. And three, your identity and security flow from him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, born and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. It's the amplified version. I love how it puts it. Identity and purpose are different. They're different concepts that certainly overlap in their meanings. Identity answers the question, who am I, while purpose answers the question, why do I exist? But they they overlap. The seal of the Holy Spirit upon your life is a declaration that you are that new creation, that you truly identify with him and are actively carrying out his purposes and plans for your life. And remember when we talked about grafting, that when a branch is grafted into another vine, it it will still only produce the fruit that it was originally able to produce. In other words, when your branch 
is grafted into the true vine of Jesus Christ and you become that new creation, it's not that you lose who you are, it's that you find out who you were always supposed to be in the first place. You know, I, I think that, well, I don't want to lose who I am. I mean, talk about Jesus and I'm changing my whole life. And No, you don't know who you are until you find Jesus. It's backward thinking. And the fruit that he created you to produce, the original reason, purpose, and plan that he had for your life, that'll never be produced. And you're always looking. How many know people in the world are always looking to be fulfilled? They try all sorts of stuff. How many have tried all sorts of stuff in your past? And then until you found Jesus, it was all empty. It didn't, it didn't get there. It, it, didn't, it didn't scratch that itch that we all have, right? The Bible says that he has placed eternity in the hearts of men. That's what that void is. There's like this aching to, to be used for the kingdom, for eternal purposes. And when we're not being used for that, we feel un, unfulfilled. He created you for a specific purpose to, to, to produce certain kinds of fruit based off of who you are as an individual. And when you become alive in him and he seals you with that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he will just lead you into all the things that you were always supposed to do to begin with. You change when you're in him. And this certainly changes your identity and purpose, but it changes them to what it was originally intended. I love that song, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And all of a sudden, you know who you are and why you exist. This is what's true of those that are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So I talked about... Um, Three ways, just there. Three things that are true. I want to do something real quick. I'm going to go back and read the definition of spragizo. To seal, to put a mark on an object. You can throw it up there if you want. He did already. He's so good. Put a mark on an object to show possession. We are possession. To show authority. We're under his authority and rule. To show identity or security. We find our security and identity and purpose in him, don't we? It's stamping with a, a seal to distinguish ownership, to impress with a mark of acceptance. He accepts us. You see how this all ties together? Why sealing is so important? To deliver over safely to someone. I didn't even get into that, but we're going to make it through. Sometimes I think it's good to come to church and just hear one good truth. Here's the one good truth. I don't care what you're going through. I, I know it could be hard. It could be difficult. But with Jesus Christ, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. He'll deliver over safely to the Lord to make a solemn declaration over you. Hey, that's my kid. Get your hands off him. I love, I love that God can do that for us. But in, 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 in defining why, that, that's what we did in those three things. Why is being sealed significant? Because you are his possession. You are under his authority and rule. And your identity and security flow from him. Now let's get into how and when. How and when do we get sealed? To answer this, let's, let's go back to the day that Jesus rose from the grave real quick. He was talking with his followers later that evening after he rose from the dead. John 20, 21 through 22 says this. Jesus said to them again, 
Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand, church, that this is a game-changing moment. It's the beginning of something that set the tone and the pace of his church from that day forward. His followers, those that were in him, were sealed that day. They were completely sealed in the Holy Spirit that day. As Jesus breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. His disciples experienced the Holy Spirit being deposited into them. This was a lasting deposit. In, in, in times past, there were men in the Old Testament that, were, that the Spirit of God came upon them and they did amazing, mighty things. But the Spirit of God tended to come on them here and there for specific purposes and, re, and, 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 and reasons, right? But here, Jesus breathed on them and it was deposited into them and they would now live with the Holy Spirit inside of them it was a once, it, it, it was done. They, they were in Christ, and so it was, they, they had the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. You couldn't accept Christ without the Holy Spirit. You couldn't walk one day in Christ and stay in him if you didn't have the Holy Spirit deposited into you, helping you to, do, to, to work that all out in, in your daily life. They were sealed, and from this point on, anyone who called upon the name of the Lord, anyone who received the Lord Jesus into their heart, would have the same deposit, this same deposit made within them. It's the very reason that salvation in him changes us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit deposited within you, and if you remember our, our, our series on the Holy Spirit, the hagios pneuma, remember that word? The Greek word, the, the Hebrew word, the hagios pneuma, the holy, inspiring spirit of God, God's life breath. He himself, God himself, lives on the inside of those that are in him. All born-again Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit the moment they receive Jesus Christ into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior. Sometimes after that, sometime after that, that first appearing to his disciples, Jesus appeared to them again. In fact, the Bible tells us that he taught them many things over the course of the next 40 days or so. Acts 1.3 says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He taught them a lot of important stuff. The Bible tells us that he's not only, he not only appeared to them, but he stayed with them and taught them. In Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait a minute. I thought we just, he just breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Yes, that happened. That was a deposit of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit when it comes into your life, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you know, God doesn't just, God just does everything to the full. You know, he's kind of like an all or nothing. I just, I just love this about God, the Father, because there's more. There's even more. And it says, for John baptized with water, I just read this, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember, to baptize is to dip or fully immerse. That's what it means. So, so what Jesus was saying was that even though they had the Holy Spirit at this point and that they were sealed, in a very short time, they would experience something even more, an immersion in the Holy Spirit, a total saturation of the Holy Spirit. 
Acts 2.1a says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That phrase, together in one place, is from the Greek word hamathamadon. Giving you some Greek words today, hamathamadon. And it means more than just being together in the same location, but when it says together in one place, that's hamathamadon. Hamathamadon literally means with one accord, with one mind, or with one passion. It's the very picture of unity. I don't know if you're connecting dots here, but we're talking about unity in this series. We haven't moved past being unified with Christ as individuals yet. When we are in Christ, we are striving for that unity or oneness with him. When we are unified with him, only then can we even remotely achieve unity with one another. And these 120 believers that were waiting for the promise of the Father were completely unified. And make note of this, the church started with unity, not just with the sealing, uh, and they were in Christ and he breathed on them, they had the Holy Spirit, he was sealed with the Holy Spirit, they were unified that way. And then the Holy Spirit came in power. It started with unity. And guess what, church? It's gonna end with unity. And whenever there has been a true move of God and an outpouring of his spirit through the history of, of, of this church age that we all live in, unity is always present. It's always present every single time. I, I think it's one of the reasons why revival usually starts with young people, whether high schoolers or college people. A lot of major moves of God. If you go throughout history, they start with the younger people. Why is it? Because they're more, I, I believe they're more ready to get unified with one another than adults who are kind of stuck in our ways. It's one of the reasons, anyway. When I switched from being a youth pastor to a, uh, a lead pastor, I, I, um, I realized right away that, that adults, you know, the older people that I pastor, they're really just like kids. They just don't change as easy. I hope that doesn't offend you. Or maybe I hope it does. You be the judge of that one. Unity is always present where there's a move of God. Disunity has to be removed from the equation. And we need to start thinking of unity as a prerequisite for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit and not just something we get to enjoy when God graces us with it. Unity can happen. God, God's always pushing his people together. He longs for it. But man, we fight it. Unity is something we must decide to walk in and it is absolutely worth fighting for, church. Acts 2, 2 through four says this, and suddenly, this is them in the upper room, they're all 120 there together, they're unified, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There, there appeared to them tongues resembling fire which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, every one of them, all 120 of them, that is, diffused throughout their being. They were filled, they were completely filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, which is different languages, and by definition of that Greek word, and I'm not gonna tell you what that word is and get into all that, but by definition that means unlearned language, a language they didn't learn naturally. So they were speaking in other languages that they had never learned in the natural. 
They were supernatural languages. As the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out, which was they were speaking clearly and appropriately. And this was the fullness of the promised Holy Spirit being poured out. This was the church being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's the fullness of God's seal upon his church. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, the elephant in the room is that there's some churches that don't believe in this second part of the Holy Spirit being poured out. They don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you can't. It's right there. Pretty plain. Well, I don't like that part. Well, you can rewrite the Bible if you want. I I'm, I'm tend to just come underneath of it, if I can, to the best of my ability. You can't rewrite it. It's there, right? I don't know how you can explain that away. There's nothing that says it is explained away. But here's the deal, church. Everyone who accepts Christ is sealed with the Holy Spirit. But here's, the, here's a little good news secret for those of you that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see the scripture is truth. There's even more of a seal. There's more operating in his power and under his power and his authority. I mean, it, it, I, I can't even get into it all today. And I, this was a hard message because I, I almost have to stop right there. Or I'm going to get into a whole different subject. But wow. Wow. Let me put it this way. When you get saved in the Holy Spirit, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that means you've got the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. That is an amazing thing. But here's the, th- here, wait, when you get baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit has you. He has you. And the power of God can flow through. I mean, guys, I mean, wow. And it happened not just then. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. It happened in chapter 8 again in the book of Acts. It happened in chapter 10 again. It happened in chapter 19 again. Where the Holy Spirit came upon them. In fact, Paul in chapter 19 runs into some Ephesians. We're in that book, right? And and some Ephesian believers, and he said, hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a, a Holy Spirit. What? He goes, well, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, well, we we received John's baptism. And Paul said, well, that was a baptism for repentance. You need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And so they did. They baptized them into the name of Jesus, which is how we baptize today. And then when they were baptized into the name of Jesus in water, they came up out of the water, and it says they began speaking in tongues because then the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Read it. Ephesians chapter, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. I mean, wow. Yeah. That baby gets it. Man, I want to go to the nursery where they get it. We are sealed with his Holy Spirit the moment we get saved. But then he baptizes us in his Holy Spirit and we can be on fire for him. 
I mean, that's where we're dead to our own self. We're dead to our own dreams. We're dead to our own stuff, all the stuff that clouds this life, and we just become Jesus with skin on. We become his hands and feet. We become empowered by the Holy Spirit. We go forth, and we set people free by praying for them. Healings happen. People get saved. People get healed. People get delivered. They get set free because the Holy Spirit's just working through you, and again, you're just Jesus with skin on. You're just being Jesus in this world. I mean, wow. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm more reserved. No, you're boring. Let's call it for what it is, right? Man, we can be on fire. This was a baptism in the Spirit. But what was it for? What was the real reason? Acts 1.8, I kind of alluded to it already, but, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, that's to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. It was a baptism of power. And understand this, I, I like telling this to Pentecostals, it wasn't a baptism of the Spirit so you could just speak in tongues. That's part of it. But it really was a baptism of power for you to be a witness. Power to be witnesses, power to help us actually be the church, to live it out. When we operate and live in that power, the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to all those that are in Christ, I'm telling you, you will become contagious. You know what isn't contagious, church? A bunch of people coming to a Sunday morning worship service and going like this for a half hour while the worship team sings. You guys should be just like me. It hasn't even been a minute yet. I got 29 left. I'm serious. Am I lying, Devin? Am I lying, Mitzi? Anna, if you're, am I lying? They all shook their head no. I'm not telling you to be emotional, like for the sake of emotion. I'm saying if you know the truth, I mean, you, you shouldn't be able to contain it. I mean, it's not just whoo, whoo. It's yeah, baby. You know, that's what it is. I mean, we got to get excited, church. Sorry if I hurt the sound system. <laughs> Let me put it this way. One of the benefits of being in Christ, being unified with him, is to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we operate in the power that is available to those who are sealed, it draws others to Christ, and the result is their lives start lining up with who, with who he is. Did you hear what I said? When you start operating in the power that's available to you through the Holy Spirit who has sealed you. You are contagious and other people will come to Christ because of you. Not not this. Not that. But when you're contagious. You mean my life can change somebody else's life? 
I don't have to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. Guess what? You're all three. We're all, all of them when we need to be because we're not our own. We've been bought with a price and God can use us any way he wants to use us. But I'm shy. Live your life for Jesus. It'll draw people in. It's not about personality. It's about, it's about just letting the power of the Holy Spirit work through you and however that is. Ministry is God working through who you are. But I don't think it's ever this. Just, just a reminder. I don't, I don't think that's ever it. Being sealed. Your being sealed gives you power to live a life that helps bring others into a unified relationship with Christ. That's exciting stuff. The, the, the Holy Spirit seals you the moment you come to him in relationship. But then he offers even more. He offers us the fullness of that sealing by baptizing us in his Holy Spirit. And sadly, many Christians miss out in the adventure of what this all means for them. This is absolutely one exciting life. Somebody asked me one time, where do you see yourself in five years? And here's my answer. I have no idea because I am not my own. Man shall make his plans, and I've got a couple of plans, but you know what? The Lord directs your steps. That's right out of Proverbs. If, if you're going your, to let yourself be directed by him, you, may, you don't know where you're going to end up. Listen, where are we going to be in five years? I don't know. Maybe we'll be in Africa. He's like, no, grandkids. <laughs> He's like, no, maybe you're going to Africa, but I'm not. <laughs> That's not true. I, I don't, I love living that way. It's not that you don't make plans. Don't get me wrong. It's not that you don't have dreams and that God can't give you vision for what the future holds. All that's true, but you know what? He, he can call an audible whenever he wants in my life. Anytime he wants to. Anytime he wants to. I remember saying, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the oldest youth pastor who's ever been. I'm going to be 75 and be like, yeah, youth, I love youth. <laughs> I used to say stuff like that. You probably remember me saying stuff like that. And I remember when the reality of being lead pastor here was starting to set in, and, and I was just like, I don't know. And I remember after it happened and just kind of happened all quick. I remember standing right up there in that corner one day and looking over the sanctuary and just thinking, how in the world did I get here? I don't, I don't have the ability to do this. I, I don't think I can lead a congregation. And you know what? I was right. I can't. But the power of the Holy Spirit in me can give me the ability to do whatever he needs me to do. And the same is for you. Well, I'm scared to open my mouth to my coworkers. Power of the Holy Spirit in you can do it. Can do it. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I hope most of you have not just experienced that first part of the sealing. I, I hope you, 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 you've been baptized in the Spirit as well. It's available to any believer. What does that look like? Very simple. You pray and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to fill you, to baptize you. And you, you know, in Scripture, we see what happens 
over and over and over, the first thing, the initial thing that happens physically to you is you begin to speak in tongues. And speaking in tongues is not like, okay, let me see if my brain can wrap my mind around this and let's see if I can think of some syllables that sound like a language and then I'll speak it and then that's it. No, it's not like that. It doesn't happen from here out here. It happens from here and it bubbles up out. I can speak in tongues whenever I want to. I can do it right now as a prayer to God. And, and getting, not getting into the, the gift of tongues, which is meant for the edification of the body. I'm just talking about personally being baptized. There's times in my prayer life, and anybody ever get bored in their own prayers? I do sometimes. That's when I just start praying in the Spirit because I know that, that I, I'm getting a direct access there. The Holy Spirit praying a perfect prayer through me not because I've learned a language, not because I even understand the language, but because it's just bubbling up from my belly and out of my mouth, and I'm just letting him take over. You know what the great thing about speaking in tongues is? And this is what people don't understand. The great thing about speaking in tongues is it takes this out of the equation. And this is where all my problems pretty much are. <laughs> what goes on between my ears, what I think I should be praying, how I think I should be praying, all that. It's all gone. I just let the Holy Spirit take over, right? That's what tongues is all about. And if you could understand it, then, that would, then you would be thinking again, wouldn't you? It makes perfect sense. It's really the only thing that God could do to make sure that he gave you something so you could get this out of the way. And so it's tongues, unlearned language that you don't even understand. Here's the beautiful thing, though. My spirit under, understands or feels and connects with it. So I can be thinking about Corey Keller and, and be, start speaking in tongues in my prayer life because maybe I know he's going through something. I don't think he is, but I, I would pray for him if I knew he was going through something big. I'd pray for him anyway, I guess, because he's my brother. But as I'm, I'm thinking about him and maybe a situation I would know about him, then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm praying words I don't know, and I'm weeping. Because I know it's for him. You know what I mean? That, that's how it works. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm saying the right thing. The Holy Spirit's saying it for me or through me, with me, because it's a partnership, right? It's not that he just takes my tongue and wags it and makes me say <laughs> words I don't want to say. It's not that. It's not like that. It just comes up from out. Powerful thing. You talk about unity with Christ being in him, being so connected with him, being one with him in such a way that, that, the, that the prayer you're praying to God is the Holy Spirit actually praying through you to God. Talk about oneness, because we know that there's only one God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three distinct personalities, but one God. The, the, uni the unity between the three is so beyond our comprehension that it's hard to wrap your mind around. The Trinity is just, it, it, it's mind-blowing. Some churches believe, well, if you say Trinity, that's three gods. No. One God, three parts, one God. I don't get it. I don't understand that much unity, but it's true. And when we can unify ourselves with him, guess what? Then all of a sudden, we're, we're able to be unified with each other. If this church really got unified with each other, with him first and then with each other, look out Warren County because it will literally be hard to go to hell from, from, from Warren County if, if one church gets on fire. And I, I'm telling you, there's a move of God going on 
within our community, within our area here. There's something brewing, something happening. Pastors are praying together. Pastors are giving each other money for, for the programs that go on in their church. Churches are doing things for other churches. I've never seen it like that before. Can it happen a whole lot more here? You bet it can. But I've never seen it this good, ever, in 30 years of ministry. I've never seen it like this. God is doing something. He's up to something. Churches are beginning to work together. And you know, some of them are tongue talkers and some of them aren't. That's okay. They're sealed. They want to leave the power on the table. That's up to them. <laughs> but I've also seen people who don't believe in tongues get used in power while the ones who do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and all those things leave it on, just don't, don't operate it and leave it, just sit there. They believe in it, but they don't use it. So, you know, I, I, throw it up. It doesn't matter. God can use whoever he wants. He spoke through a donkey several times. I am just anticipating something great. Something great is on its way. And we either get on board or we're going to get run over by the bus. Hop on the bus, God's on the move. Starts with unity. Next week, we're going to take a little break from the series. We're going to talk about uh, Palm Sunday and get ready for our Easter message and all that. And then after that, we're going to get right back into unity, um, right back into Ephesians and start in with the second chapter. But I, I hope you're enjoying these messages in Ephesians and on unity. They're, they're so important. So important. And if, if you're someone who's never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I'm going to just say it this way. Call, make an appointment, because just about everybody who does that, Pastor Jared, Pastor Donnie, pa Pastor Barry, um, we will sit down, we'll go through the scriptures, one of us will, we'll have everybody come in, we'll pray for you, and, and you've seen it time and time again where people get filled with the Holy Spirit right in that conference room, and it, it happens all the time. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.